First, let me invite you to bow with me in prayer. Father, it is our desire to give you praise and express thanksgiving today for you are worthy and you are good. Father, I pray that you would continue to lead us and be glorified in us. Lord, that you would speak to us today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Generosity is what God gives to me when he furnishes me with good health and happiness in my daily life. And he's a lot better to me than I am to him. Generosity is giving more than is expected. Plentiful abundance. Generosity is giving to others, um, giving over um, what is expected. I would say generosity is giving but it's not just giving. It's giving. Uh, it's giving abundantly. It's giving lavishly. I think the gospel has everything to do with generosity. We have been blessed so richly. Uh, blessings poured out by Jesus on us, uh, and our generosity is just a response to that. To pour out what we've been given to to help others. The gospel has to do with generosity because God expects us to share. His love through us to others. The gospel has everything to do with generosity. We give because Christ gave. We love because he loved us first. And giving is a response to his love. We give because he has given his life for us. He came to us. And so out of the overflow of the response in our lives and our hearts to his love, we give for the sake of his glory to mirror the gospel that we have received. I give to church because I'm called to by God. He told me many years ago that I should give to the church and I have followed his calling. The love of Christ has blessed me in many ways and the Bible says uh, to, well, much is given, much is expected. And so through the love of Christ, it's a given uh, just part of our life. Um. I give because I like to, as Jesus teaches us in the Bible, to give with a happy heart. Um, we're supposed to give um, what we want, where we want to. I give up my time to the children because that's where I enjoy giving, as well as the tithing and giving to um, missions and helping others to get out there and get Christ's story out to others. Um, you give with a willing heart and be happy giving. I give to the church, number one, because I love God. I want to see the work of the church go on um, through others, through our giving at church, and because I love the Lord, and it's a joy to give. Church, let me invite you to open the scriptures with me this morning to the New Testament letter of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we'll be in chapter 8 and chapter 9 this morning, we won't uh, read all of both of those chapters, but we'll read selections, portions of each of them. And church, as we consider gospel generosity this morning, I want to begin by asking, do you know God's grace? Do you know God's grace? Do you know the undeserved mercy and compassion of God that has been extended to each of us through the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, as we express gratitude for God's many gifts in our lives and encourage one another to give generously and sacrificially 
to Christ Church. I'm not interested in guilting anyone into giving today. I'm not interested in, in telling you how much to give or if you give such and such amount, God will bless you richly or be pleased with you or consider you faithful and worthy of entrance into his kingdom. The bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. We give because Jesus gave. We give because Jesus gave. That's the truth that Paul wanted the first century church in Corinth to know and to act upon. And that's also a biblical truth that we're invited to know and to act upon even today. We give because Jesus gave. Last week we wrapped up uh, a message series uh, titled Letters from Jesus as we looked at Revelation 2 and 3 and the seven letters there from Christ uh, to the church. And we'll pick back uh, up in Revelation after, uh, after Christmas. Uh, but last week we saw Jesus confronting a church. A specific church in real time. He confronted the church in Laodicea, the end of the first century, uh, for being materially rich, yet spiritually poor. They said, we're rich, we're wealthy, we don't need a thing. And Jesus said, no, you're wretched, you're pitiful, and you're poor. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we hear a different message. We hear from the Apostle Paul writing... Uh, and commending the Macedonian congregations, churches in Macedonia, that is in northern Greece, uh, for being materially poor, yet spiritually rich, facing persecution and poverty, yet rejoicing in God's grace and the opportunity to contribute to the needs of others. They were practicing gospel generosity. So here's the setting as we prepare to look at this text Uh, At this time, the church in Jerusalem is poor. They're really poor. They're facing some difficult times. And Paul is going around. He's taking up a collection for them. The Macedonians, that is, those in northern Greece, couldn't give much. But they gave all they could. And they did so, according to the scriptures, cheerfully. They counted it a privilege and a joy to give all that they could. Because they knew what Christ had done for them. Writing to Corinth, Paul now calls upon the Corinthian church to mirror the gospel generosity of the churches in Macedonia. Let's look at what he says. Second Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's word. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, Paul writes, he says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testified that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Look down at chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. He continues. He says, There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Skip down verse 6 of chapter 9. He says, Remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. The righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He says this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's bow and pray together. Father, we are gathered this morning because you have given us an indescribable gift in the gospel of Christ. Father, may your grace be heard, may it be proclaimed, may it be internalized, may it be responded to in our lives today. Speak to us now, Lord, for we are listening. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Church, you may be seated. So here's what's going on. Here Paul calls on a relatively wealthy Gentile congregation uh, to help a relatively poor Jewish congregation. Called upon to make an impact for Christ's kingdom by imitating the generosity of Jesus himself. In church we're called to do the same. We're called to imitate uh, the, the generosity of Christ. We're called to impact Christ's kingdom in this way, in our response to the gospel. Generosity that originates from the life and the ministry and the gift of Jesus Christ is gospel generosity. In other words, it isn't something we muster up on our own. It isn't something that we can simply do in our own strength and in our own power. No, gospel generosity flows from the heart. Gospel generosity flows uh, from the heart. Just a couple days ago on Friday afternoon, I uh, took a load down to the Shelby County landfill, a glorious place to be, somewhere uh, everyone wants to go, simply for the aroma that's in the air. I had a, a, a pickup truck full of busted up tile and concrete uh, and, and wire uh, meshing, I don't know what the, the right word for that stuff is called, all that came from our master uh, bathroom shower at home as the Jones family has undertaken a, another household uh, remodeling project. And I don't know how much was in the back of that truck. Every time I think about it, there was more and more in the back of that truck. No doubt several hundred pounds, if not more, of this stuff. And arrived at the landfill, was directed to the place for construction and demolition debris. We're backing into this giant mud pile of a mess. Remember, it rained all week. Guy in the bulldozer signaling to me, come on back, a little more, all the way back, all the way back. And I get to the back and uh, being uh, the smart man that I am, actually this may have been Ashley's idea, uh, we had put a, a tarp under all that stuff. An old tarp we didn't need. Get there, just get rid of all of it. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to 
going to muster up enough strength here. I'm just going to yank that thing right out and be done, and I'm out of here. <laughs> so I get there, and I get my feet set, take a deep breath, flex my muscles, adrenaline starts pumping, pull on that tarp, and it doesn't budge an inch. It doesn't go anywhere. So I start shoveling stuff out of Thankfully, I had a shovel with me. Every four or five scoops, I, you know, I take another stab at it. Nope, not going, not going, not going. Finally, when the truck's probably 80 or 90 percent empty, I, you know, able to get the last 10 plus percent out and be done. And I remember driving away from that, that trash heap and looking in my rearview mirror, and here comes the bulldozer guy, uh, just making his way, comes right up to that pile, hundreds of pounds pushes it on out of the way without that bulldozer hesitating for a second. Light work of what was heavy and long work for me. You see, that that machine has some characteristics I don't have. Not just externally, as impressive as it is, but if it didn't have something on the inside, if it didn't have a strong engine, if it didn't have something different internally, it could not have done what it did. Church, in a similar way, without a transformation in our lives, without an internal transformation of our heart, of our lives, we cannot rightly practice gospel generosity that glorifies God. Gospel generosity flows from the heart. It is an issue of the heart. It flows from the transformed hearts of those who truly know God's grace. So does Jesus have your heart? Do you know His grace? Here again, Paul's words here, chapter 8, verse 2. He says, the Macedonians overflowing joy. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Verse 4, he says, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Can you hear their desire to give? Who knows what that conversation went like? We can only speculate. Paul shows up. He's taking up a collection. He's encouraging the churches. And he realizes when he gets in Macedonia, these churches, man, they're going through a rough time. They don't have much. Maybe he doesn't want to burden them with that request to give to another impoverished congregation. And yet, no, they plead with it. Paul, please, we want to do this. We want to give. We want to participate in the joy of giving. Chapter 9, verse 7, he then says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How could giving produce joy? How could giving be a privilege? How could we cheerfully give away what we have? Won't we miss it? Essentially, I think the Bible says here, if you're going to miss it, don't give it. Don't give it. Don't give reluctantly. Give cheerfully. You see, friends, there's something about the gracious gift of salvation that when properly understood and received detaches us from any preoccupation with our stuff. First, perhaps we begin to realize that it's not really ours. It certainly wasn't to begin with. It has been given to us. It has been entrusted to us by God, entrusted to us for the sake of spreading the message and the hope of Jesus Christ. Paul says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he assumes that his Christian readers know the grace. They know the grace. 
I think we can assume the flip side of that is that he wouldn't call upon them to give generously if they didn't know the grace of Christ. In other words, Christians have a far greater foundation and motivation from which to give than unbelievers do. We believers ought to be the most generous, the most sacrificial people of all, for we know that God gave the greatest sacrifice of all for us. His gift of grace captures our hearts and moves us to practice abundant generosity for our neighbor's good and for our God's glory. That's gospel generosity. Gospel generosity flows from the heart and gospel generosity helps those in need. It helps those in need. Those who know they were once in need want to help those who are now in need. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, he writes. That though he was rich, yet for your sake, because you needed him. For your sake, for my sake, he became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. Friend, do you know of your need for Christ to save you? Do you know of your need for Christ to forgive and restore you, to give you hope and a future? If you know the divine grace that delivers you, then you desire to help those in need. Chapter 9, verse 9, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. The righteousness endures forever. So here Paul quotes a psalm, Psalm 112, portraying the gratitude of God's people for the gifts God has given them, leading them to give generously to help those who are also in need. For those who know the generosity of God broadly disperse and freely give, and their generosity makes a lasting impact for the glory of God. So Christian, let me ask you, do you desire to help those in need? Do you desire to help those in need? God saved us when we were in great need. How could we not long to help others who are in need? How could we not desire to see the physical needs of the poor provided for? Yes, but even more so, how could we not long for the saving grace of Jesus Christ to be shared with the spiritually impoverished who remain lost in their sin? Gospel generosity flows from the heart. Gospel generosity helps those who are in need. And gospel generosity spreads the gospel. Spreads the gospel. Spreads the message of salvation by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Let's look back at the text. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So here we have a supplier and a sower and a storehouse and a harvest. This is farming language. Popular imagery in the scriptures, particularly the New Testament. Jesus often employed such analogies to uh, describe the spread of the gospel, the spread of God's kingdom, the dispersing of his word. This is about God's word being provided to redeem his people. The promise here is that God will use his faithful people and their generosity as agents in bringing about the salvation of others. That's the harvest of righteousness that's being described here. The world needs Jesus. And gospel generosity advances the message of Jesus because gospel Generosity intentionally supports the spread of the gospel. Let me pause here and just say a word about Meadowbrook, about this congregation of of people. No doubt we are not a perfect church, far from it, because we're filled with people 
just like you and just like me, imperfect people. We have many, many ways in which we can deepen our walk with Christ and which we can grow in the faith. But I will say this, I am absolutely confident that this is a generous church. By and large, this is a generous congregation of believers. Here Paul says he's been boasting about the Corinthians' enthusiasm to give, chapter 9, verse 2. In fact, prior to that, in chapter 8, the beginning of chapter 8, he's, he's boasting to the Corinthians about the Macedonians' willingness to give. Now he's boasting to the Macedonians, or says he's been boasting about them, about the Corinthians' eagerness, their willingness, their desire to participate in this gift. But you know, I could also boast about Meadowbrook's willingness and desire to give. Now, on an individual level, when there's a need, you respond to that need. You respond by taking and purchasing toys and clothing items for families in need right here in our county. Yes, to meet physical needs, but also to promote the spread of the gospel among them. You respond by sponsoring children through organizations like Compassion International and other Christ-centered organizations. You respond by donating time and goods for hurricane relief, by providing items for the Alabama Baptist Children's Homes to Fill backpacks with needed items for family. Beyond those things, many of you give hours and hours of your time knitting or sewing for mission causes or going on mission trips all over the world. And many of you serve regularly in some capacity at the Jimmy Hill Mission or other local ministries through a host of other unknown ways. Things I, no doubt, don't even know about. And on a wider scale... We are committed as a church family to give generously for the sake of the spread of the gospel here in Birmingham, across uh, this nation, and around the world. I want you to know that I'm committed to that. The church leadership here in a variety of capacities is committed to that. We want to see the name and the reputation, the message of Jesus Christ extend to the ends of the earth. We want to play our part in that. In fact, in the last five years, we've more than doubled the amount of unbudgeted money that we give to cooperative mission efforts through the state convention and the Southern Baptist Convention. Through your faithful giving here, we sent over $100,000 last year, 2017 alone, to joint mission efforts throughout our state, such as disaster relief and care for orphans through foster care ministry. Also, uh, throughout our nation, such as church planting and revitalization and around the world by supporting our missionaries who live among some of the most unreached in an effort to see them come to know and follow Jesus Christ. Through your faithful giving, 2017 alone, we gave more than $40,000 through this church to ministry needs in our county through the Shelby Baptist Association. Another $20,000 or so to minister to hurting men at the Jimmy Hill Mission. More than $16,000 to support specific missionary partnerships all over the world. Or to help support missionary families who have to raise money so they can go and live in difficult places oftentimes in order to see the gospel of Jesus Christ spread. In addition to that, another $20,000 toward local ministries like Lifeline and Save a Life and the Baptist Children's Homes and approximately $60,000 to support mission teams and ministry projects across our nation And throughout the world. And that's just 2017. It was just last year. That that doesn't even include other specific offerings that we collect a couple times a year for North American missions and international 
missions. And all of these, church, are only possible because of your generous and sacrificial giving to the church. Let's participate together in leaving a kingdom of God legacy for the world. And as we do, may God receive all the glory and honor and thanksgiving. May our giving produce thanksgiving to our God. Gospel generosity produces thanksgiving. Gospel generosity produces thanksgiving. Listen to what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. He writes, you will be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, he says, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 11, he says something similar. He says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, which is not only meeting needs, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. In other words, giving as Jesus gave is an act of thanksgiving to God, but it also causes the recipients oftentimes to give thanks to to God. Church, through your generosity, God is getting thanks. He is receiving thanks, and He deserves great thanks for who He is and what He's done. We give because Jesus gave. I'll share one more final mark of gospel generosity this morning, and that is this. Gospel generosity accompanies genuine faith. Gospel generosity accompanies genuine faith. Let's look at verse 13. Paul writes, Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Gospel generosity causes other believers to praise God for our faith. May we be a people who praise God for believers who are imitating the way of Jesus, who are giving because Jesus gave. We give because Jesus gave. So friend, let me return to the question that I began with this morning. Do you know God's grace? Do you know God's grace? If you don't know the riches of His grace displayed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, turn to Christ today. Do not delay. Right where you are, confess your sin before Him and cry out for Him to save you. Turn to Him today. Experience His grace today by receiving the gift of salvation. Paul says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, you you know it. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Do you know God's grace? Let's live and give according to God's grace. May we be a people who live and who give according to God's grace. This is not about earning God's favor. It's It's about responding to his favor. We give because Jesus gave. By using all that we are and all that we have for the glory of God. But here's the deal. We often still succumb to sin. We often still fall into the trap of the lure of selfishness and and pride. And the only way that we can continue living and giving according to God's grace for God's glory is by keeping our eyes on the cross. So keep your eyes on the cross. Believer, keep your eyes on the cross. 
the cross, fix your gaze upon Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave his life away on Calvary for you. May we look to the cross and forever echo Paul's words here. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Would you say that with me? Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You need another one. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. That is the gift of the gospel. Would you bow with me? Father, we bow before you this morning to praise you because you are worthy. We bow this morning to say thank you because you have given us an indescribable gift. Lord, you are worthy and we are not. We are only worthy to gather before you to come into your presence because you have made us so by doing for us what we can never do on our own. Lord, you rescued us. While we were still dead in sin, Christ died for us. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you for the hope of eternity. Lord, may our lives reflect the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, may our lives honor you today and forever. Lord, hear our praise now. Hear our response. May our response be glorifying to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, church, let